I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello and welcome to A's Plus, the San Francisco Chronicles podcast on the Oakland A's and Major League Baseball. I'm your host, Chronicle A's beat writer Susan Slusser, and today we welcome in Jerickson Profar, the A's second baseman who talks about his struggles this season and how the team is playing recently. Also, David Feldman joins us for Feldy's Follies, and we'll look at the A's very tough series in Texas, the fifth starter question, and Chris Davis's power output. All of that next on Ace Plus. Our guest today on the Ace Plus podcast is second baseman Jerickson Profar. Jerickson, we always like talking to you here in Texas because, of course, you were with the Rangers for so long. And last night was kind of special because Adrian Beltre gets honored, his jersey gets retired. Did you get a chance to watch some of that and, and talk to him at all? Yes, I, I watch I watch a lot of it. And I just said hi after it. And that, that was it. What, what did he mean for you in your career? Because I know you still talk to him occasionally. A lot, you know. He when I came up, he he was there, so he he taught me a lot about about this game, and still does. What what kind of things? I mean, he's no he's kind of funny too. Is he? Does he kind of have the? Does he bring that when he's talking to you about the game, or if you have questions? Um, not really. He's 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 like that, but he he's serious too. So uh, whenever whenever I came up. Um, there was a lot of a lot of things that that he thought that he taught me that I was doing wrong, you know, like game situations and stuff. And he was on me on, on a lot of those things, and I appreciate that. You you had to fill in at third base for him occasionally. How how tough is it to wind up playing third base, filling in for a guy who's a Hall of Famer? I didn't look at it like that. I just look at it to to try to help the team at that time yeah. and, and that's it yeah watching him play third base must have kind of raised your own level at that position um yes you know he he was there for me too like at, at third base teaching me a lot of things and he, he was he always telling me that when he was my age he was exactly the same and then he started getting better yeah that's what i talked to him when we were here at one point earlier and he said exactly the same thing that you were a lot like him at the same age which that must be nice to hear yes yeah. um have you how much have you rubbed his head or have uh, you ever <laughs> i think once once <laughs> yes did it what did he do he tried to kick me <laughs> that's awesome he's the best um you look like you're starting to really feel comfortable at Particularly at the plate, how how would you describe how you're feeling right now offensively? Um, um just okay. Just okay. Uh, I, I got a long long ways to go because um, I need I need to make some some adjustment, a little little adjustment, but you know it's gonna it's gonna turn out big. I know because on the way they they're pitching me, 
you know, I gotta, I gotta step back a little bit. Cause they pitch me a lot of, a lot of open ends, everything is in, in, in. And I'm, right now I'm crossing, so I'm having a little bit of trouble getting to that pitch. So I, I think I need to open up a little bit and, and things will start working. Is the is the kind of fear there that if you move back at all or if you no, like start looking at that? I'm yeah. just crossing myself. Just, you're crossing. Yes. So. And they realize that. Right. Do do you then start to worry? Then they start throwing you stuff outside once you adjust to that. Is that the kind of the next step? If they throw it at it, we'll kill it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let them do that then. Yeah. Um, We've talked a lot about your play at second base. You definitely look like you're feeling more comfortable playing there every day. How would you um, say things are going for you defensively now? Yes, I'm just working, working every day and, and feeling comfortable. That's it. Um, you're making especially like the turns on the double plays. Uh, it looks like your throws are really strong. How good a feeling is that, that that's been the case, especially when you need a bang, bang throw? Um, like I said, you know, just doing it during during practice and 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 games, it, it just you know you just have to play it, and then everything comes because you you're already doing a lot of repetition. Um, Bob Melvin's talked a lot about the fact that you've been driving in runs a ton. Like the whole you know bottom of the order, especially, has been driving in runs. Do you feel like you guys kind of those you know seven, eight, nine guys? Like you really have something going right now? Uh, I think Fagley uh, is. The, I think he's the guy. Yeah. You know, he's the guy that you know drive driving a lot of runs always. Like yesterday, he came with with two, two strikes and drive <laughs> drive another run. So uh, that's that's been good for us. Yeah. When you're new to a team and the fact that you are driving in a lot of runs, is that kind of a an extra good feeling because you you know you're new and and here I think you had 18 RBIs in in May. Uh, I need more. You need more. <laughs> I need more. Yes, I need more. So uh, we just um, I I think it's good for us. You know that's that's what win ball games and we need we need to win. So you know I hope. Um, I, no, I don't hope. I know it's gonna be my bat is gonna come around, and I will be better. Yeah. What do you think of the team? Because you guys have been a little bit streaky. It seems like hot streaks, then you cool off a little bit, then another hot streak. How do how do you see things? Um, I think, you know, we just right there. You know, like games like, like last night that we lose by one run. You know, it's it's just matter of a hit. You know, and we're right there. We just need to to keep grinding until we we can get the streak of ten or, or more games like we did um, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, things start to kind of even out when they're games that are that close, right? Yes, yeah. yes. And the games that we've been losing, like I said, is my one run, two runs, and you know, it's always we had chance to 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 win that ball game with one hit. How are you feeling physically? Because you guys have had this really weird stretch where you get in at 6 a.m. and then you've had to play four games in 48 hours here at Texas. Yes, it it was it was it was, it was a little bad, but you know sometimes you there's things like that. You know you just have to to grind it out. Wonderful. Thanks so much for joining us on A's Plus Jerks and Profar. Thank you. Our thanks again to Jerks and Profar for joining us on A's Plus. We will be back in a moment with David Feldman. 
I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's time for the Feldy Follies portion of the A's Plus podcast. David Feldman, uh, we haven't talked to you in a couple weeks. Lots has happened, but it seems in some ways like the A's are almost treading water. They're they're so streaky, they seem to go on like a, a little bit of a run, and then they slide back a little bit, and they just keep winding up right around the 500 mark. What are you making overall right now uh, as we're already into June? Yeah, 33 and 33. Uh, you know, it's, it, it's, it's strange that they have the, the 10-game winning streak. And look like they were playing so well, and then you know you lose five in a row, and it's just like, well, how did this happen? I know we all know Houston is good, and Houston comes in and sweeps the A's, but uh, the A's had to win some of those games. They had to to, to beat Houston. Then they go on this road trip that is turning into this this massive slog of a road trip, and they're doing okay. They won the series in Anaheim against the Angels, although the uh, Wednesday night game still sticks in my in my paw, I guess it's just it's frustrating that they lost that game. There's no reason for them to have lost that game. Um, and then they have the the marathon four games, forty eight hours in Texas, and they end up with a split, um, which was which was good. It wasn't great, but it, it's better than losing the series. Now you go to Tampa, a team that is very very good in the Rays, uh, the best pitching in the major league, uh, and we'll see what they're made of as they go. You know, as they try and finish off this road trip. Yeah, and, and a little extra delay in Texas, too, with a broken plane. They have to get a new plane that that comes in. Um, I, it's really, uh, considering the arrival in Texas, 6 a.m. on Friday, having to pl- then play a night game, a day-night doubleheader that included a an Adrian Beltre jersey retirement ceremony that went long, start that game late, then, then a day game, then a flight to Tampa that gets delayed uh about four hours, I think. Uh, that's that's just that's really fairly extreme circumstances. Now they travel first class. They're playing baseball for a living. I know nobody's going to cry too hard for a team that's having travel problems and a long weekend. But it's still it's not ideal, and it doesn't make for a necessarily an even playing field. No, and you know one of two things can happen out of this, right? The A's play well in Tampa Bay, and everyone says, "Well, look, this this brought them together. It galvanized them." and they were ready to go, or the A's don't play well, and they say, well, you know, how could they play well? They have these dis- dis- distractions and these plane delayments and long games. So uh, you kind of built in both ways, depending on how this shows up. Yeah, well, um, that's, but, I mean, I mean, it's, yeah, it's a built-in uh, excuse is the wrong word, but certainly it's understandable. I, did, I actually had people tweeting at me after the doubleheader loss saying, what's wrong with the A's? And I was like... They got in at 6 a.m. and then they've got a day-night doubleheader. I mean, I'm just at some point the bullpen really becomes an issue, and right now their bullpen's an issue. Period. Um, Blake Trinan is clearly not what he was last year. The stuff is not bad. Uh, you know, looking at it, and scouts have said this too. He is just not throwing the sinker as much. He's he's not locating it locating it quite as well, but it's still good. But just the 
you know, locating an inch or two off, that can change the entire dynamics for a closer. What what have you thought about about Trinan and his struggles so far? Yeah, I, I, it's it's interesting with with Blake. I think because you know this selection is not that much different from last year. He's gone away from the slider a little bit and gone to the cutter more. Um, but location is exactly right because he's walking guys. You know, last year he only walked twenty one guys the entire season. Already, uh, not even halfway through this year, he's already walked eighteen. Um, so he is he is struggling with his control in the strike zone. He's not he's not getting ahead of guys. And he's also having a problem when he does get ahead. He's not putting guys away. I mean, last year, two strikes, the batter was out. There was no question about it. Now batters are able to fight off a little bit because uh, he's not throwing enough strikes. Um, you know, his ball, especially when you look even at his, his fastball, has not been in the strike zone as much as it was last year. Um, his sinker is out of the strike zone most of the time. Um, but he's not getting the chase. His chase percentage is way down. So batters have adjusted to him. Uh, maybe they're just picking up his pitches a little bit more. And to me, here's a guy who still throws 97, 98 miles an hour. I think it's time to start reestablishing the fastball. Yeah, he's got hit a little bit on it this year, but I think that's still the, the bread and butter. I think he needs to go fastball more, uh, not try and trick guys as much, and throw strikes. Uh, it's these walks and, and the base runners uh, is a problem. And you see that, in, you know, we're going to talk one of the new age statistics, but in fielding into dependent pitching, right, FIP, which takes out balls in play. His FIP last year was 1.86, and you look at it sort of like an ERA. Uh, that's tremendous, right? This year it's over four. So that means he's kind of hurting himself, and that's just that's with walks and that's with control. Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, it's been pretty clear. He work. He's working really slowly. He's kind of picking. Um, he doesn't look comfortable a lot. The body line. You know, last year I, nobody expected him to duplicate. Last year, well, he did. <laughs> when I talked to him a couple of weeks ago, he said he wanted another season with a sub one ERA, which is so, you know, it's so hard for anybody to do. So he, he might even be putting a little too much pressure on himself. I think there's a lot of that going along, going around with the A's this year. Um, you know, but we've seen it in the lineup. We've seen it in the bullpen, certainly. Uh, but it, it, you're exactly right. It's the location. And uh, once you kind of get into that, that mind, it's, it's tough to get out of it. You know, you know, you're missing, you start picking more, you don't want to get hurt on one pitch in particular, you get away from something. Um, he just needs to uh, kind of get back to where he was uh, earlier this year, even obviously not last year. That's, that, that's almost impossible to duplicate. How about Lou Trevino? Now his stuff actually looks uh, really good at times. He has said it's been flat, um, but it seems to me like his outings a lot of times it's not hard contact, same thing, you know, a walk or two, some weak contact, balls that get through, balls against the shift. He seems like he's been snake bit, particularly lately. The stuff looks better than it did, I think, earlier in the season when he was uh, kind of stumbling. Yeah, I think he's changed a little bit his pitch selection. Um, last year, uh, 93% of the time, hitters were seeing either a fastball or the cutter, right? And that, both of those pitchers are 94-plus. Uh, so he's throwing hard, hard. This year, that percentage, last year, 93, that's down to 82% with the hard stuff now. He's got definitely more to his curve and his change. Now, he's had success with his curve and his change. Hitters aren't hitting it. A little bit with his change, up, but, but not much. But for some reason, when he comes back now with his two-seamer or with his cutter, it's getting hit. Um, yeah, not always hard contact, but he's not also getting out. 
Um, it's frustrating. And again, that game in Anaheim, the, the mid game of the series, he has a chance to put away Dustin Garneau with his fastball uh, to end that ninth inning. And instead, he, he goes to the cutter and he gets hit. Garneau had no chance of hitting his fastball. No chance. That's why I look at pitch selection a little bit. I, I'd like to see him go harder more often. I, get, I like trying it. Uh, Lou Trevino can blow as well. He's throwing 98-99. And I, I still see sometimes he's trying to, to trick batters. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't need to trick them. He can go right after them with the stuff that he has. And then this is your odd stat of the day. Uh, I'm just going to give it out there. It doesn't mean anything, <laughs> I don't think, but it's just very odd. So this year, when Lou Trevino is being caught with Josh Begley, uh, he's thrown 22 and a third innings to Fegley. Batters are hitting 300 against him, and he's given up 18 runs. 27 for 90, 18 runs, 300. In the 10 innings that Hunley has caught him, batters are only 3 for 31, an 097 average, and he's not given up a run. Well, good thing Hunley's on the, the IL with back spasms. <laughs> uh, that is weird. I don't, I would not necessarily read too much into that. I think we all know that Hundley's probably got a, a little bit of a stronger defensive profile as a catcher, but um, yeah, that's pretty extreme. It is. It, it's, a, it's one of those oddities. And again, you, you look at Blake Trinan, uh, his numbers with Begley catching are better, uh, although he, he hasn't, he's only thrown like five innings to Hundley, so really it's not much of a comparison, but it's just one of those odd things. But it made me think of uh, back in the day with Dennis Eckersley and the A's, uh, when they would get late in games, uh, even if it was a game that Terry Steinbach caught, it was always Ron Hassey who would catch the ninth inning because Tony and Dunk and Dennis Eckersley all felt more comfortable throwing to Hassey in those late games. It was, it was a strange thing. Even if you look at game one of the 88 World Series, that's Ron Hassey catching that ninth inning, even though Steinbach caught the game. But that happened all the way through Hassey, Hassey's career with the A's. He would catch Eck in the ninth. Well, okay, that might be something for them to take a look at when, obviously, when Hundley's back off the aisle with his his back spasms. Um, now, uh, this rotation, uh, I think we, we've seen better performances from almost everybody, but the fifth starter spot is now back up in the air after Daniel Mengden gets sent out. A little... A, a little bit of a head-scratcher. They, they went back to the opener for Mengden a couple times. Uh, he didn't look comfortable. He did kind of settle into that role in September uh, as the, the follower and uh, looked okay there this year, not so much. And it's hard to tell. You know, was he just not pitching well, period? Was he not adapting to the, the opener? It's almost impossible to say. But uh, didn't get a very long look, and now he's back down. Uh, I think we do know what he can do when he's right. Uh, and this leaves essentially Aaron Brooks, who had not worked in, I think it was once in, in three weeks before he came in at, at the end of the the first game of the doubleheader. Uh, it looks like he might be poised now to go back into the rotation, but Tanner Anderson's coming up for a spot start here in Tampa Bay as we're talking. I think this, this podcast will probably uh, be published maybe even after after uh, Anderson goes. But what are your thoughts on this? He's got an ERA over six. He's been up a little bit with Pittsburgh in the past. He was a reliever. Now he's a starter. Yeah, this is his first real season as, a, as an everyday starter. And he's he, here's my worry with Tanner Anderson. Um, and we'll see how this plays out in, in his start at Tampa Bay. Uh, this is a sinker ball pitcher who relies on getting the ball down. Um, now he's pitching for Las Vegas in the PCL. And the PCL is a little different this year because uh, they're using the Major League Baseball 
They're using the same ball that the A's are using every day. Um, before this season, Tanner Anderson had given up 10 home runs in four seasons in the minors. Uh, this year, he has given up 14 home runs in 54 innings. Jeez. Uh, that's horrible, especially for a guy who's supposed to be a sinker ball pitcher. So that's an issue. Uh, the other thing that Tanner Anderson's doing, he's walking guys at such a high rate, uh, over four walks per nine innings. Um, so those two stats are not great. Um, that said, he has had some good starts for Las Vegas. Um, you know, he had a nice start at Sacramento uh, last week where he went six innings, only gave up a run, didn't walk anybody, didn't give up a home run, success. And then his next start, uh, first round rock, he doesn't even last five innings, gives up six runs, two homers, four walks. And he's had, that's his season. It's just been very inconsistent. Uh, the home runs and walks are very troublesome. I don't know if he's a long-term answer. Uh, those numbers seem to say he's not. Um, but we'll see as he gets his shot. Uh, the fifth starter spot is a, is a huge issue because Megden was, was, was not good. Uh, even coming in as a follower in the Angel game, uh, he's got a 7-1 lead. He's got a 7-1 lead, and he gives up four runs in the bottom of the third. You can't do that. Um, he has not looked good, uh, and he's given a shot. Now, the whole opener thing, and I've been thinking about this more and more, um, when your opener, whether it was Hendricks or in this case Soria, use up a run in his inning, it is like a defeat. Yep. Right? It just feels like you've lost. Now, this the whole point of this was to get out of that first inning and, and get a clean inning out of your reliever, and you give up a run, and it's, just, it's depressing. I think that's, that's a big problem when you're giving up runs as an opener. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's tough to put on anybody, right? I mean, uh, no major league pitcher should feel like he has to come in and be perfect. However, in this opener situation, it does have, you know, it's kind of like the wild card game. Hendricks comes in, give up, gives up two runs, and it felt from that point on like that was it. Uh, and I think yeah. it puts that on, on all the rest of the pitchers. Uh, at some point, maybe this will become enough of a thing that enough people will be used to it, and maybe that that you know, the, the kind of atmosphere of, oh my gosh, the opener gave up a run, we're doomed, uh, does not exist anymore. But you're 100% right. It does feel like a failure when that happens. And it's happened far too often for these. It's just not, it's not a strategy that's, that has paid dividends yet for them. Um, I, I don't know if it's figuring out the right guy to be the opener or the right guy to be the follower, but it is just not, uh, it's just not their thing. No. It's not. And it's very different than when you look what what Tampa Bay does with it. Um, you know, with Ryan Stanek, uh, who's just been lights out um, as their as their opener. Um, and it makes a big difference. And they're used to it now that every fifth game, that's what Tampa Bay's doing. Um, and they know it, and it's consistent, and it's working for them. Uh, and their other starters are been, you know, you got Blake Snell, a young winner, was great yesterday in Boston. Uh, Charlie Morton, who the A's were going to see on Monday night, has had a tremendous season. Tyler Glasnow, before he got hurt, has been brilliant. Uh, Chirinos, who's gone in the rotation, has been great. I mean, this is just, they're getting great pitching up and down the board. And so you can do that. I think the A's, the A's need to find themselves a fifth starter that's consistent. I don't know who that guy is, to be honest with you. I'm not a huge Aaron Books guy. Um, there's a reason he's bounced around for as long as he's had and really hasn't stuck. Uh, we saw Paul Blackburn in Texas and I hate to say it, he did not look like a major league pitcher. No. Um, so I don't I don't know where that where that answer is. And it's you know, you're thirty three and thirty three and you look at the wild card race because I, I think the division's out of reach, but you're you know, 
at this point, you're two games out of that second wild card spot. And the A's are going to make this decision in the next month and a half if they're in the same sort of area come the middle of July. Is it worth it to trade to get the second wild card? Right, because they're eight games back of the first wild card, so that's that's a long road to go. Um, but is it worth it to make trades to get the second wild card and go on the road for a one game playoff? Is it worth it to them to make those moves? And that's a question they're going to have to ask coming up here in this month and a half. Yeah, I mean, I always think yes. You know, right? What's your alternative? Punt the season? Um, I, I don't. I, they're not a team that tends to do that if they've got a shot but they're also not a team that i think is going to make a big splash we have not seen them make a big big splash uh, at the trade deadline uh since 2014 uh, i don't see them going out and getting that level you know a john lester or just a marginal level starter uh for one thing i'm not sure what they have to trade to get that except right. for maybe a trine and his, his value is down. Plus, you know, they, they, they need him if they're going somewhere and they need him to be right. Uh, Franklin Bredo is not going to get back that level of a, of a starter. I don't think at this point, they're certainly not going to move, you know, Lizardo or any of their top flight, uh, you know, young, uh, prospects. I don't think so. Yeah. I think they would probably look to do what they did last year and prove the bullpen. And I think right now they feel like, they can do that as it is because they'll be adding AJ Puck to their bullpen and at right. some point potentially Jarrell Cotton. Uh, and I still think they look at, well, we're going to get Shamanaya, we're going to get Jesus Lazardo into our rotation here in the second half. I think they've, they've just got to stay in striking distance until that happens because I don't know if this year, if the, if the trade market is something that's going to interest them all that much, unless they're really out of it, in which case I think uh, they probably would look to move Blake Trina. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I think they, one, they don't have a lot of uh, trading pieces to, to improve this team with. Um, there's not that. Um, you know you're getting pitchers back. Um, I think you're going to kind of steady the course. You'll look to add in, in July if you can, um, if you're still in this thing, to probably bolster the bullpen again. Maybe there's another bullpen pitcher you can get without giving up a lot of a high-level prospects. Um, and then you just hope these injured guys come back and are effective and can really give you some depth in the pitching staff. I'm okay with the offense. We're seeing the offense be a little bit more well-rounded now, especially on this road trip, not relying on the home run as much, putting rallies together. Um, you're seeing some good things from Marcus Simeon again as he's, he's starting to, to heat up. We'd like to see Stephen Piscotty get a little hotter. Uh, and we've talked about Profar all this year, that if Profar is productive, this is a winning baseball team. He's that important, I think, to this team winning. Uh, and they really need him to stay productive. So yeah. I'm okay he's with that. He's driving and runs. It, it, if nothing else, he's, he's driving, driving and runs. runs. So I I just I like to see now that bullpen gets short up and figure out something with with that fifth starter. Um, you know, the other starters have kind of they've kind of hit a comfort zone here lately, um, which has been nice to see. And you kind of know what to expect when they go out there. Um, so they're going to keep you in games, especially if your offense can give you a few runs. It's just closing these games out, which has been the issue. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm with you. I don't know what they do in that fifth spot. I think it's Brooks for now. And then they, they hope they get somebody, uh, back soon, or maybe, you know, they could do something crazy, dip down in the minor leagues and get somebody who's going hot. They could, you know, make a, put somebody on the 40 man and bring them up uh, who's pitching well. At, at some point, they're going to have to consider doing something like that if Brooks is not the answer. 
Chris Davis goes essentially a month without uh, hitting a homer. Obviously, he had the the injury and was on the DL for a while. Um, hits one in the last game of Texas because, of course, he does. He loves he loves hitting there. Um, any concerns with you about Chris Davis, or is this a combination of injury and Chris Davis being streaky? And if so, does that mean he is about to to go off? I, I hope it does. That means that he's about to go off because he is streaky and uh, some better swings now. That I think he's feeling healthier. Um, he's putting hits together. Um, nice to see a ball fly out of the yard for him, especially in Texas. Um, and that's, that's huge. And it's huge for the A's to have their big man hitting big home runs. Um, and you like to see a hot streak coming for him. Um, you know, strikeouts have been a little bit of an issue since he's come off the IL. So a little more contact would be great. Um, but I, I think a hot streak should be coming. This is, this is Chris Davis. This is what he does. He goes through lulls in a season and then he just picks it up where he's just bombing balls. So, uh, it's time. It's time for Chris Davis to get red hot and start hitting the ball out of the park. And, you know, Tropicana Field, not a bad place to, to put some balls in play because they will fly out of there. Uh, again, I just want to keep warning people, this is the best pitching staff in baseball they'll be facing in the Tampa Bay Rays. Well, David, uh, we will find out if the, any of these things have come to pass the next <laughs> time we talk on, on Ace Plus, probably in the next week or two. Uh, thanks for joining us, as always. Thanks, Susan. Thanks for listening to A's Plus today. Our producers are Libby Coleman and King Kaufman. We will be back later in the week with more. A's Plus is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Audrey Cooper is the editor-in-chief. If you like this show, please subscribe, tell a friend, or give us a review. Follow me on Twitter at Susan Slusser, or you can email me at sslusser at sfchronicle.com. Support A's Plus and a lot of great journalism with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. There are print and digital editions. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe.